A big piece of the Ottawa Senators' young core is locked up for the foreseeable future. Meantime, uh, over in another part of Canada, in the same division, the Montreal Canadiens uh, got a dose of good news and bad news. The good news is they also signed one of their younger players to, uh, I guess you could say, uh, a long-term deal. A short, uh, their goaltender, their star goaltender, however, will not be along for this year's ride and uh, might be for the best for a number of reasons. And in our main topic, speaking of futures, we are going to talk about some of the key free agents and where they could land and how much money they stand to make. Episode 333 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. At the moment of this recording, uh, it is mid-September, still technically summer, which means uh, the summer of Dorian Brett uh, continues. Tim Stutzla got paid. Yeah, yeah, that that's great news for you guys, of course. <laughs> Um, yes, it is very good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know. I sounded very like nonchalant about it, but you know, it, it, it's seriously, it is really, really good news for you guys, um, especially like because we've been doing this. The the cool thing about doing this podcast for so long is like the fact that I've been with you when the the Senators were in the playoffs and um, they had Eric Carlson, Mark Stone, and all those guys, and then. Um, and then I was with you when it imploded, and now I'm back with you when it's like, okay, they're 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 making moves and they're making long-term deals and things like that. So it, it's really cool just to just to be in this journey with you here. Uh, but yes, anyways, uh, to get into specifics here, uh, Tim Stutzla signs with the uh, Ottawa Senators for an eight-year deal worth eight point three uh, five million, uh, which. Uh, uh, I believe he has yeah so he has one more year um, at, on his entry level contract but then so this this contract will kick in next year it is a little risky to do it now kind of like what what we were talking about with Tage Thompson last year but um, but at the same time as, as I was just talking about it's like this is an Ottawa Senators team that needs some good news and needs like to show their fan base that like, hey, this is this is what, you know, like we're we're gonna keep our core guys together for the long term. And, you know, I, I guess also the difference is, is like Tage Thompson is significantly older than uh, Tim Stutzla is. So it's like, yeah, uh, right now Stutzla is twenty one years old. Uh, he had fifty eight points in seventy nine games. I think that's pretty good. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Even you know, yeah, like it's not a Connor McDavid level, but it's pretty close. Um, or it's um, it's like you know, it's just a decent thing. Um, I guess there is a risk involved in this, just from the standpoint that, as I'm mentioning, is he's still so young, and eight million dollars for eight years is a lot of money. Um, but at the same time, you drafted this guy third overall. Um, he had, in his career, he has 87 points in 132 games. I think that's, if I'm doing my math right, let me actually do the math here. That would mean he has, 
65 points per game. Uh, that should, that hopefully, like you're you're banking on him to jump up in those numbers because that's that's not where you want an 8.5 million dollar player for eight years to be at. But um, but yeah, at the same time, it's like you know if you believe in uh, that Suso is going to going to improve, then then yeah, you make this deal. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it's it's also, it'll be interesting too, because next year, Alex DeBrincat is an RFA. You have Austin Watson, Dylan Gambrell. I guess really uh, DeBrincat's the big one that you should probably sign. But um, but yeah, you have, let me see if the Cat Friendly has their cap space. Cam Talbot is also a free agent after yeah, this year ends. Fair. Although he is older, I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess that, that is fair that you would have him. Um, their cap space situation, though, I guess you guys... Artem Zub is a UFA as well. Yeah. And he's he's a guy that I think Ottawa should keep around. So you would have uh, $22 million in cap space next year, but like you have 11 guys currently signed. <laughs> so... Yeah, there's also chair they would move on from Sidesev's contract at some point, so right. that would free up some cap space as well. Fair, totally fair. Um, so, so there, you know, I, I guess it's a way that you can make it work. It's not too bad, but of course, you you would want to sign to bring cat. You want to sign Talbot, of course, if they are good as advertised. Um, but um, and like if they're not as good as advertised, then then you you probably trade them at the deadline or figure something out, but. Um, but yeah, it's like I I, I feel like at the, like this this is a good commitment for for the senators because this is like okay Stutzla is going to be a part of your core. It's just I'm not sh- necessarily sure. It's risky because I'm not necessarily sure if he's going to be worth eight point three million um, for the rest of his for for this contract. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, he, he does look good as a 20-year-old in the NHL. That's nothing to sneeze at. So it's like, it could work, but it could also just fall flat on their face. So um, we'll, we'll take a look at the contract details, what he's done so far, and why it is probably the wisest move that Ottawa could have made. So let's start with the contract terms. Uh, eight years, as Brett mentioned, cap it of $8.35 million per season. Uh Quinn's question for you, Brett. Who is the highest paid player in the Ottawa Senators right now? Well, I I was just looking, but I would imagine it's Brady Kachuk. Nope. Tim Stutzla with this contract Uh, becomes the highest paid player on the team. Yeah, but but, the richest contract in team mystery as well. But just by a little bit, uh, Brady Kachuk is making 8.2 million, 205,000. So, uh, whereas Stutzla is 350,000. Uh, with eight million there as well, so it's just no. Just sorry, barely. when this it, when this deal kicks in, he will be the highest paid player. He in the will, team. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like, sorry, but I even specify, but it ju- hasn't started yet. But still, just barely though, because it's like uh, it's yeah. like a thousand dollar difference or a yeah, hundred thousand dollar difference. Not by a big amount, but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah fair. And um, so so anyway, um, I took a look at the cap hits for this season it doesn't go beyond this season on cap friendly but i took a look at the nhl's cap hits and stutzla's future cap hit of 8.35 million dollars per season doesn't even crack the nhl's top 40 
and he is Ottawa's highest paid player. Um, Tim Stutzla uh, doesn't have a single cent of bonus money attached to his new deal, which is apparently a sticking point for Eric Carlson uh, when the Sens offered him, I think it was around 10, 10.5 million per season. And I'm like, kind of glad they didn't sign that because that would have been uh, a risky play for Ottawa to juggle. Um, on top of all of that, he has a 10-team no-trade list that doesn't kick in until year five. So the Sens aren't getting burned by no-trade protection on this deal either. Uh, his salary the first two years of his new deal, $5 million in year one, $6.5 in year two, which means Ottawa's this year and two more years to take advantage of their cap situation with Tim Stutzel in the full. Thomas Shabbat, this year he's making $4 million. Next year he's making $6 million before he makes $10 million for three years in a row. Brady Kachuk, the captain, the heart and soul of this team, $6.5 million this year. For three straight years after that, his cap hit rises to $10.5 million. Josh Norris making $5 million this year, $6.5 million next year before we start to see a rise in his salary. Drake Batherson, probably the most team-friendly deal of the Sens core right now. His highest salary in his current deal is $6.55 million. That won't happen until 2025-2026. His uh, salary this year is $3.5 million, and then for the next two seasons, $5.4 million. So when you look at the grand scheme of things, and you look at teams in the Eastern Conference that are definitely ahead of the Ottawa Senators in terms of a talent standpoint and a proven standpoint of success. You look at the New York Rangers and the key guys that they have, like Mika Zibanejad and Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin. And you look at teams like, well, I'm going to say it because it comes up the tip of our tongues every time, the Toronto Maple Leafs with the with a quartet of fours that they have, Nylander, Tavares, uh, Matthews, Marner, uh, Morgan Riley and his cap hit on the back end are accounting into their salary gap situation moving forward. Uh, you have on Tampa Bay affordable contracts given where the uh, current stars like McDavid have signed for, uh, Nikita Kucherov, Vasilevsky, Stamkos, you have the three contract extensions, Sorelli, Cernak, and Sergachev kicking into high gear at uh, the end of this season, start of next season. Um, so you've got a lot of money committed there. Florida with Barkov and now Kachuk in the mix. And of course, Bobrovsky uh, between the pipes. That's a lot of cap space there. You look around the Eastern Conference and even around the league at what the core players for those teams are getting. Ottawa's probably got the most affordable group for the short term and for the long term as well. So that's something to keep in mind when you take this uh, contract into consideration. Is Tim Stutzla worth this contract now? To Brett's point, no, not at the moment. He is not. But the good news is he is 20 years old. There's still room to grow. And he hasn't played with DeBrinket and Giroux yeah. or any of the active top six forwards as regularly over its first two seasons. That will change this year. And here's what he's done in his first two seasons. Year one as a rookie, averaged 15.44 per game in all situations, 2.52 on the power play, 12 goals, 29 points in 53 games, only took 111 shots. 
And in year two, as Brett mentioned, 58 points in 79 games, 22 of those being goals. That's a 60-point pace over a full 82. He took 176 shots, 12.5 shooting percentage. Um, he averaged 315 per game on the power play, 1825 per game in all situations. Also put in 125 hits, which is interesting. Yeah. 27 power play points, leader on the team in that category, if I'm not mistaken. And he's working on his two-way game. He's taking face-offs as well, so that's something to keep in mind. To me, Tim Stutzla is not worth that kind of money right now, but they are paying on what he could be worth. Mm -hmm. It was what the Devils did with Jack Hughes uh, midway through his third season, in my opinion, didn't really showcase that he was worth that kind of money. But I think it's safe to say, moving forward, he can be that type of player and he will be worth that money. Tage Thompson, yeah, it's a bit of a gamble, but he wasn't a top three pick like Tim Stutzla was. He doesn't have the ceiling that Tim Stutzla has. This is an entirely different story, in my opinion. So when you consider all of that, and you also consider the fact that the main RFA that they're going to have to sign is Alex Dabrinkit, on top of all of the benefits that come with uh, signing Tim Stuzla to this long-term deal, they don't have to worry about it now. You also don't have to worry about, I don't know, someone maybe potentially offer-sheeting Tim Stuzla after he gets like 80, 90, 100 points, however many points he gets this year, in a situation where they know that Stutzla and Debrinkit are RFAs at the same time, and if they offer enough money for one of those two guys, Ottawa may be, might not be able to match it given their cap situation. Right. So at least they know what Tim Stutzla is getting paid. They can work out their top four defensemen. They can work out the Debrinkit stuff. This is one less uh, thing for the team to worry about. And it's starting to reflect in the fan interest. 60% sale increase on tickets um, uh, uh, compared to uh, what it was in 2019. So the fans, they're, they're, they have their undivided attention on this team for the most part. Or it's at least trending in that direction too. And um, I... I can't think of a better way to kick off Ottawa's 30th season. Well, well, first on the, the fan piece, I, I think that has more to do with the fact that they did go out and get Giroux and to bring Cat. Because, um, like, mm. haven't they already sold all the tickets? So I'm not necessarily sure That's that. true. That's true. But I'm sure yeah. this will definitely help. Yeah, yeah. Because you know what your core is now. Oh, yeah, yeah, You know yeah. what your core is, and you're paying this core for the long term as well. well. Well, I was about to say, but, like, your point still stands that, like, you – you know you're you're locking in and especially when like you know like in recent memory mark stone was gone eric stone eric stone eric wilson <laughs> leaves um in a in a negative way as well so it's like you know you're you're kind of like your, your fans and your connection with um the team is is just distrustful so it's like this is a way to like another like yeah they already signed uh a long-term contract to Brady. They already signed a long-term contract to Shabbat, but this is another example yep. of what they're doing. Um, and and, I and not that, only that, but you would think at some point the cap's going to go up as yeah. well. So this cap hit may seem like a big deal now, yeah. but you know when you see like the McDavid's and the McKinnons sign for exuberant amounts of money, sure. you look at Tim Stisla making eight point three five. Like, man, that's a decent bargain. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, and I should also 
uh, offer a uh, correction too, because earlier on I was okay. comparing his career points per game as like .66, and I don't know if that's necessarily fair uh, to to uh, look at a career points per game because it's like his rookie year they were in the Canadian division. Uh, where all the stats were kind of inflated, and that's not necessarily fair. And, and this past year, 58 points in 79 games, that's still, that's .73%. That's, that's not bad. Um, so, it is good that you mentioned the yeah. overall success, because when you take a look at the month-by-month, month, right. he, he, he started off a bit average. Then again, the team started off very, very bad true, true. at the beginning of the season. They also had that COVID outbreak. Yeah. But if you look at his numbers in March, he was starting to look like yeah. the Tim Stutzler we were expecting to see. And yeah. then in April, my God, in April, 18 points in 14 games, and I think a nine-game point streak. Yeah. So at, by by March, April, he really found his groove, and right. that's what the Sens are hoping. They're right. hoping that that Tim Stutzla is going to be more commonplace moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I still think it's a risky move, um, but uh, and and like even from what you're saying, I didn't even know that, but like you know, just taking it from just games in March and April, yeah, that's a pretty good indication. But it's like still a pretty small sample size so it's like it, it is yeah. tough to really know like you want to see him and do again, that for a full season uh, and know. again given the yeah. fact that he wasn't playing with the likes of Kachuk and sure. Norris and Batherson regularly he was on yeah. the second line that didn't have those weapons that Ottawa got right if he could do it with if he could do that with those weapons imagine what he can do with the, the veterans that they've added yeah yeah totally and, fair. and that's part of the upside to Tim Stutzler right 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 okay uh, next on our docket here is uh, Kirby Doc, uh, also similarly a third overall pick. Um, he, uh, but in the yeah. uh, in the previous year, um, he gets a four-year deal, uh, three points three six two million. Um, very very exact. Um, I think that's because why is that? Um, I think I had a reason. Um, oh, because it's like. Um. Oh, I don't know why. Actually, I thought it was like it would. It goes directly like fifteen million or something. But I guess it's. It would be uh, if you combine them all together, it would be thirteen point four five million. Uh, over four years, but, um, but yeah. Anyway, so they have Kirby Doc here. Um, yeah, he, he had a pretty disappointing season last year. That's kind of an understatement, but. Uh, 26 points in 70 games for Chicago, um, and then um, and then the last year. Although it's technically not really his fault, or it, it's tough to really tell because the previous year um, he got injured um, 18 games into the season, um, and in that in that point he had 10 points in 18 games, which is pretty good obviously um and then yeah, it's 46 point pace so we're yeah. full 82 yeah yeah um so um and then his rookie year he had 23 points in 64 games so that's not great but um but i you know i but also at that point he had 14 minutes of ice time uh the last two years though he had 18 minutes of ice time of course he only played 18 games in his second year so um, and he has some injury history, so it's like it's tough to know. Like when he was drafted, it's t- 
like, you know, we may never see, like, he's never going to be that third overall pick just simply because it seems that that injury kind of impacted him. But at the same time, he's 21 years old. That's that's pretty decent. Um, you know, he, he still has potential. Uh, he's on Montreal. He gets traded to Montreal. They, um, I guess it was kind of in consolation of not drafting Shane Wright, where they were thinking like, okay, we're, we're, they're going to draft Slefkovsky, who's a winger, and then they're going to uh, trade um, Romanoff to get a pick, and then they also land with uh, Kirby Dock um, in the trade as well, and I think it was in another move uh, type thing. So I can, um, so there, there is potential for Kirby Dock um, I, I actually don't hate this move because, as I was saying, it's like, you know, Kirby Dock is 21 years old. He still has a lot of potential going on. Um, and if it, if it works, like if he's like even like a 50-point guy, this is a steal of a contract. Uh, this is like a bargain. Um, and, uh, and he could be so much more than that, too. Um, at center. So it's like, yeah, he's never going to usurp Nick Suzuki. Uh, Sean Monaghan might be something. Christian Dvorak, you know, maybe you just take that out as a, or last season was like a lost year for him. And, you know, so they have a bunch of these guys like Dvorak and Monaghan and Kirby Doc who could potentially be pretty good as their second line center. And, um, and yeah, they, they're all. Well, except for Sean Monaghan, all all three of them have like decent contracts where it's like okay, like there's no pressure for them really. I mean, I know Montreal is like the biggest pressure there is, but if like you know these are good gambles to have, um, especially with Kirby Doc um, here, and it, if it works out, because it's four years with with uh, with Kirby Doc on a pretty cheap contract. And, and this is a bit of a risky play when you consider that he hasn't gotten 30 points in a season and yet yeah. he's getting that type of money so I would I would I would classify this as about as big of a gamble as the sense signing Stutzler to that amount of money but one thing you got to keep in mind is Kirby Doc also has experience at right wing and it should be noted that the Habs roster that you see today is probably going to change a lot over the course of those four years right. because um, they're probably going to trade most of them. Yeah. Christian Dvorak, yeah. the current second-line center, a guy with a bit of term um, on the on the term. I think he's got like two years left maybe um, at an affordable cap hit. Yeah, Mike Hoffman with two years left Dvorak on his has, deal. Dvorak has three years left. Oh, three years. Okay, even better. Yeah. Uh, you have Jonathan Druin, who plays left wing in the final year of his uh, current contract. You have Evgeny Dodna, final year of his contract. So that lineup is pretty interchangeable. Uh, so you could move him uh, to the right wing. Um, uh, you could probably have him as a third-line right winger with uh, Anderson and Gallagher ahead of him. Or maybe uh, you move uh, one of those guys in a different slot or, or keep... Uh, Doc as a number two center when uh, Dvorak leaves because I don't think he's going to use Suzuki for the top one but even still at some point this guy is probably going to land a spot as a top six forward and I feel like it's an environment where the young guys are going to be encouraged to learn not be afraid to make mistakes uh, 
we're not expecting anything in the Montreal Canadiens. In fact, we're expecting them to um, tank hard for Bedard. I believe yeah. it's the same for this one. Uh, and and I think they have the team to certainly do that. Uh, I think they're a bottom five team in uh, the in the NHL standings. Uh, they're not really going to be playing for much of anything uh, up until uh, the opening week of the season. It's probably going to fade pretty quick. But I think the uh, the youth, the potential, Martin St. Louis as coach, there's going to be room for Kirby Doc's offense to grow. And I think by the end of year two, people are going to look at Kirby Doc a little bit differently in a good way. And uh, I'm, I'm really rooting for the guy that uh, his, his second chance yeah. uh, is going to be more successful than uh, the short-term uh, pot of coffee that he got with Chicago. Uh, they yeah. didn't utilize him well enough, in my opinion, um, and I think Montreal will get the best out of him. Yeah, just keep in mind that he was drafted ahead of guys like Moritz Seider, uh, Cousins, and Zegris. So he's ne- he's ne- or Caulfield. So just just bear in mind that he's never going to be like that. But yeah, I, I agree. I think he's going to necessarily he's going to be a decent six top six player for them. And with that contract, that that is definitely a bargain. Um, yeah, there and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, uh, exactly. Montreal needs good center depth, yeah. in my opinion. Yes, they need a legitimate number one center, and maybe that's where Bedard kind of yeah. helps with that. But at the same time, they need depth at center beyond the top line. And that's where most teams uh, that really rely on that number one center kind of falter. Yeah. Um, to, to have a lot of depth at center is a luxury in the NHL. And, the, and the abs don't see it yet, but potentially they could have that in a couple of years if the if the chips fall in the right direction. Right, yeah. No, that, that is also a fair point because, like, especially when they're probably going to be bad again this year, so they're going to have um, they have a good shot at getting like Bedard or Fantilli. I don't think Mikov is a center, so um, so yeah, they they might um, yeah they could draft those guys and, and just and, see what and there's on. also a very key point that I like to point out that I have pointed out in the podcast before. I'm pretty sure a lot of people want to play for the Montreal Canadiens. Grew up envisioning themselves playing yeah. in a Montreal Canadiens jersey, especially in Quebec. So if the Habs really don't find that center in the draft, they could easily find it on the open market. Right, like a John Tavares type situation. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, except hopefully that number one center will be willing to talk with the Habs. Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, no, no, I was be just willing to hear them out. Well, no, no, because I, I was just thinking that John Tavares grew up as a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, so I was no, just no, thinking for sure. I, I, I'm not saying like Pierre Luc Dubois. Uh, but yeah. I mean, I mean a lot, a lot of French, fair, fair. Uh, a, a lot of uh, yep. NHL players with French connections, ties to Quebec. Yep. They envision playing for the Habs, and I'm sure one of those guys is the number one center they've been looking for. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Fair. I think I think the Habs, in terms of when the young guys are good enough to compete, they'll have no problem selling that to pending free agents, and at least one of those pending free agents will say. Let's get it done. Let's go. I want to be a Montreal Canadian. Right, right, right. No, that, that's fair. Um, okay. Um, also, uh, from Montreal Canadiens news and a little bit of sad news, we kind of alluded to it a couple weeks ago, but uh, we'll say it 
now, because it's official, that uh, Carey Price is no longer, or is not going to play this season. He's been ruled out um, officially. Um, and yeah, it's, it's sad. I guess it was like, as we were mentioning, it's, it kind of was, we, we kind of figured it was going to happen. It just wasn't ever like 100% sure it was going to happen. But yeah, as we, I, I guess it's like, it's a little bit different from Vegas where like Vegas is competing um, and they can't afford to lose a guy like Robin Leonard for a year out of the system. But for Montreal, it's like, yeah, okay, Jake Allen is decent. Uh, maybe they'll see what they have in Caden Primo. Uh, Sam Montebo, they also got in a, on a waiver claim, so maybe they'll see what they have in Montebo or Caden Primo. We'll, we'll see what goes on. But if those guys don't work out, then, you know, it's not a huge deal because they're not going to be competing this year. Um, and, and that could... You know, serve them well um, in the long term. But yeah, if Caden if Primu, I feel like I, I am excited to see what Caden Primu can do um, finally. But um, but yeah, I, I guess it, it, ultimately it is sad that, you know, Carey Price is, is gone and it seems like they're just going to put him on LTIR. I, I don't know. Like, he has four more years left on his contract. I'd imagine they'll just put him on LTIR for the rest of the time. Um, but, but yeah, maybe he'll make a comeback, um, and we'll see. But it, it is tough to say it because he's, he's 35 years old at this point. So it's like if he's going to miss one season, it's hard to even come back from that. Yeah, uh, the one thing that I fear about Caden Primo is that they're going to rush this development and maybe he should spend a full season in the AHL. Um, one thing I did notice about Caden Primo, uh, he was one of the remaining unsigned RFAs, and oh, yeah. they did... Uh, the Habs did sign Caden Primo to a three-year contract um, with a cap of 890000 per season. The one thing I d- did notice, however, it looks like every single year of that three-year pact is a one-way, which means he'd have to clear waivers if they sent him down. Right. Um, if that is – or actually, no, he's waivers exempt. Never mind. Never mind, never mind, never mind. He's still <laughs> waivers exempt. So <laughs> while he is waivers exempt – Habs, please don't ruin him yeah. and at least give him a full season of development. Again, this is a year where you're not expected to do much. If you trade away Jay Gallon, which I fully expect them to at some point, make sure you get a goalie that can at least hold his own in the NHL and buy Caden Primo as much time as humanly possible, unless they're absolutely desperate for a goaltender. I do not want to see him in the NHL this year. Give him time to season. Give him yeah. time to develop uninterrupted time to develop in the minor leagues and when he's ready bring him up and keep him up and let him develop that way um because you're only going to get a guy under that type of luxury for so long to the point where he's here and um he's not going back down so we hope he's ready fair i i kind of i can see your point but i am thinking of like a situation where like, what if Martin St. Louis is for real? He gets this team to be, like, a surprising, like, bubble team, basically, that they almost make the playoffs, and then, like, and uh, Caden Primu is killing it in the AHL. Like, I, I feel like in by, like, January, maybe, they they do put Caden Primu just to see what, what goes on. Um, 
Or if like maybe Jake Allen gets injured or Montebo gets injured, maybe then they, they call him up. But yeah, again, yeah. like that's the last resort I'm talking about. If they're yeah. wrecked by injuries and they have no choice, then fine. Right. But if you have a choice to keep him down, keep him down, let him develop, Fair. and let him thrive with the Laval Rocket yeah, yeah, yeah. if you can. Because yeah. uh, you need to surround these guys with a winning environment of some sort. Yeah, and, I guess that's And fair. you know what? When it was speaking back to the Ottawa Senators, Batherson, Norris, Formanton, they yep. had a monster AHL season before COVID, of course, shut everything down. I credit that COVID season to part of the reason why those guys are doing so well right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. And also, I guess if the, the let's say the Canadians do surprise, like, uh, then it's like, then that's clear that Jake Allen is doing, like, you know, is doing a good job. So you, you shouldn't rush Primo up. But yeah, I, I guess the only situation where it would happen would be in a in a case of like an injury where they have to um yeah but given the fact that jake allen's also in the final year of his contract and is probably going to be trey bay for a contender that could be the best case scenario if montreal is even like a 500 team right you can get some good value by trading jake allen to a contender you can even get a first for for all we know but then by that logic let's say they do trade him then it's like, well, then you have to have you have to have a goalie <laughs> after after you trade. Yeah, him. no, but that's what I mean. You get a goalie back that can hold us. Oh, uh, you, you get know, a goalie back. Okay. The goalie back. You have to get a goalie back somehow, whether well, I don't it's waivers or by trading Jake out. Well, I, I feel like then if you trade him, then you could probably get. You could like because then it's like the end of the year. Then you could just see what Caden Primo has in him. But yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah, fair enough. Depending on other things, bro, that's also an option. Um, but regardless, uh, we're kind of burying the lead here because um, <laughs> if this is the last we've seen of Carey Price... Um, I hope it's not, but... Yeah, I hope it's be. not, but it seems very likely that it is. Um, he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably that, like, even when the Habs were bad... I was always scared as a Bruins fan to watch him play against us because I knew that the Habs always had a shot with him, and that's like a sign of a truly good goaltender. Because yeah, you you'll, you'll get his jersey retired. You'll be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, all that exactly. Guys. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty much like in that decade, it was pretty much Carey Price and uh, Henrik Lundqvist. Um, yeah, those are the only two, pretty much. I mean, Tim Thomas too, but I'm biased. But. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's sad. It's it's kind of like for me, it feels like with Jeter with retiring, where it's like, okay, I hated you as a fan, but I respected you um, as a player. And um, again, it's one of those situations yeah. where it just sucks that he doesn't call his own shot. It's right. it's that his bo- it's his body saying, yep. I've had enough. Yeah, yeah, that, that's also fair too. Um, okay, uh, so. Now we have, um, other than those two news stories, there wasn't a ton of stuff that happened in the hockey world, if we're being honest, this week. Um, so uh, we, we decided to talk about something that, that is kind of exciting, though, for us in the long term, um, and that is the 2023 free agency class. Um, and it has a lot of heavy hitters. Uh, we're we're going to talk about five of them, but there is a lot of players uh, next year that are going to be free agents um, 
watch yeah. all of them sign contracts by December and make July's conversation completely irrelevant. <laughs> it could happen. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, it could. Think, yeah, it easily could. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out if there's a, like, I'm, but um, for for the moment, there's a chance that um, they could leave their respective teams, and either way, they're getting paid. They're going to yeah. get paid big bucks. So so yeah, we're, we're going to talk about five of them. But uh, but yeah, for reference here, Taysen Kane, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Pacioretty, Klingberg, JVR, Pasternak, Monahan, who we talked about. This is just a court. Like this list is by the cap hit on cap friendly so <laughs> that's why some of them are um a little bit crazy sean monahan uh nathan mckinnon dylan arkin matt dumba Ocpozo, jordan stahl eric johnson i guess now the list kind of goes a little bit flat here go ghost bear um i believe even like the rfa class is going to be pretty nice uh nuts as well um so yeah, Debrinkat's in that, yeah. Debrinkat, Zegras, um, Barzal, yep. PLD, Timo Meyer, Jesper Bratt, Vince Dunn, Dylan Strome, Rube Hintz. I think is on there too. Hintz, um, Comtois, Hintz, yeah. Blackwood, uh, Pugliarvi. Um, yeah, I don't see... Wait, who did you say? I don't see Kyrou. Troy, I said Troy Terry. But I don't see Kyrou. Oh, Kyrou. Okay, I thought he was on Oh, there. no, okay, uh, he is on here. Yeah, okay, never yeah. mind. Tyler Bertuzzi, a low-key, uh, yep. cost-effective free agent, I would say. Yeah, that's that's another one, yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, the, <laughs> the RFAs might even be better than the UFAs, which is crazy, too, because you have, like, two top 10 players and Pasternak and McKinnon in there as well. But, um, but yeah, so, so next year's free agency list is, is going to be pretty nuts. Um, and Steve had alluded to it. I guess I had kind of alluded to it, but there's also like, uh, the cap has been a flat for the last like three years. I imagine it's going to go up. So teams are going to be more likely to spend a lot more money on all these guys. And, and yeah, so so we'll see. Um, so we're gonna start off with um, we're gonna talk about five guys um, and kind of just project on what what we think they they're gonna do this year and um, who's gonna potentially take them. It's kind of tough to know exactly because the season hasn't even started yet, um, but we're gonna try to guess. Like okay, assuming all these guys are healthy. Um, and are playing to what they played at least um, for the, like this the season, like in terms of point totals. Um, then we'll you know then we'll see like what they could get. Um, so we're gonna start off with Nathan McKinnon. Um, for years, uh, there have been. Uh, I, I guess it, it you know if you asked anyone who has the the best contract in the league um you know you would probably get some that would say brad marchand you probably get some that would say david pasternak which we'll we're about to talk about but i think leon dry could be another one too uh no i mean he's he's pretty expensive now but yeah uh but uh, for only eight million though i mean yeah but it, I, I don't think it 
can compare to Nathan McKinnon or David Pasternak. Yeah, no, you're, <laughs> so, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. My, my point, that's still a bargain. Yeah, yeah. My, my point being is that Nathan McKinnon and David Pasternak have the two best contracts in the league right now, um, <clears throat> especially for McKinnon because he's easily a top five player. Uh, you could also make a case that a big reason why Colorado was able to even make it, um, you know, win the Stanley Cup was just the fact that uh, McKinnon uh, took less money than what he was worth at the time. But at the same time, it's like way back when, like this was a lot of money for someone of his caliber. Um, and, you know, this was before he even had become the Nathan McKinnon that we know of today. Um, last year, Nathan McKinnon had um, 88 points in 65 games. Uh, very good. Um, he's an intense guy. Um, not a captain, though, but, you know, he's still, like, very much a leader in the in the clubhouse from everything we've read. He's very intense. Um, Got a little bit of a mean streak to him, I must yeah. say. There were some games against the Coyotes where, oh, yeah. like, you didn't want to piss him off. Well, well, there was a like there was a, reportedly a story last year that, um, according to Nikita Zadorov, who was a former teammate of his, that like uh, he would restrict players from eating any sweets or any sugars, and he yep. would just uh, he would he wanted like no carbs uh, wherever they were going, um, and like he he would just be that intense and that strict, which is. What you need it it was a little bit crazy at the time because like the the, the avalanche haven't won, hasn't won anything so it's like what 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 the hell are you doing man <laughs> like because he kept on saying it's like this is not what winners eat um and it's just like you're not a winner yourself so it's like, well crosby's you gotten into yeah. his head you can be right. sure of that yeah i'm sure i'm sure that's the thing too but um but yeah, it's but now it's like okay, he has every right to be strict about everything and tell his teammates what to do because he's Nathan McKinnon. He has a cup, um, yeah, and he's he's also like top five of best players in the league. Um, so uh, according to the Hockey News, uh, they they project him as a hundred and getting a hundred and two points this year, um, which is a lot, obviously. Um, so. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that going um, around. Um, in terms of the Colorado Avalanche's cap situation, uh, they have McKinnon, uh, Comfer, Cogliano, uh, Darren Helm, uh, Sedlak. Um, let's see here, Eric Johnson and Andreas Englund, all as UFAs. Um, in terms of RFAs, you have Newhook and Bowen Byram. Um, yeah, those would be two big ones. Yeah. Those are two big ones, and then their projected cap space are twenty six million. But as I just read them out, I would imagine uh, Cogliano, Darren Helm, and Eric Johnson are all going to retire. Um, Eric Johnson is making six million right now, which is kind of crazy. Um, so, <laughs> so I imagine a lot of that money is going to go to Nathan McKinnon. Um, that is kind of why I feel like Nathan McKinnon is going to. Resign with Colorado Avalanche. Um, I mean, I think all these guys that we're going to talk about, um, I I can't see them on like another team. But 
Um, well, actually, actually, I mean, I did see Ryan O'Reilly on another team, but <laughs> the, <laughs> but for the most part, all these guys, I haven't seen them on another team, so it is hard for me to imagine that. Um, I feel like the the Avalanche are going to do whatever it takes to sign him, especially when what I was just reading, it's like, yeah, they could definitely afford to do this. Um, it would be weird, too, if it's like, because they already signed Landeskog to a long-term contract. They already signed uh, Nichushkin to a long-term contract. Kale McCarr is a long-term contract. Uh, Miko Rantanen was a long-term contract, although it's it's kind of dwindling in a couple of years. Um, so uh, so I feel like they, they will want to keep this core alive. And, um, and like, that was a big reason why they didn't want to sign Nazem Kadri this past year, uh, just because, like, they needed that money to sign Nathan McKinnon. So I imagine they'll do it. In terms of what he'll get, um, yeah, I mean, let's see here. McDavid is making $10.5 million. Um, I could see, um, yeah, you could make a good case that he is worth that much. But I would ma- I would imagine he'll probably get ten million, um, at the very least, and probably a long term contract. I know he's twenty seven and he'll be twenty eight by uh, next year, um, but I I guess so. I'm not sure necessarily on how long it will be, but I would imagine he'll get ten million. So we mentioned. Nathan McKinnon potentially taking a hometown discount. It's something that he said a couple of years ago, and I think he is a guy that will stand by his word. Just turned 27 years old. He seems like a very humble, very loyal kind of guy. At the same time, though, he has done a lot over the past five years. Um, 97 points in 74 games in 2017-18, this breakout season. That's uh, over 82-game pace, 107 points. And he got 284 shots that year, averaged over three minutes on the power play, just under 20 minutes per game. Then 41 goals, 99 points in 82 games, 365 shots. Goodness gracious. Over four minutes of the power play, first of three straight seasons where he did that per game. And uh, just over 22 minutes per game. 93 points in 69 games. Nice the year after that. 35 goals. His first of three straight 111 point over 82 pace. Just so you know. And he surpassed the 300 shot barrier once again. Throughout all this time, he's averaging 25 to 35 power play points per season. Um, over 21 minutes uh, per contest at the very minimum 20 minutes, uh, 65 points in 48 games in 2020-21. And uh, this past year, as Brett said, 88 points in 65 games, which if you put his 111-point pace in retrospect, that's around top five. Huberto and Goudreau both had 115, and both of them played around 80 to 82 games last year. So he's a top five scorer in the league if he is fully healthy and plays in all 82 games. And even even still, he finished 17th in league scoring, which is pretty impressive. So when you look at that workload and you look at how he dictates the pace, how he can drive a hockey game and turn the game on its head and really influence the outcome in favor of his team, if he were to hit the open market, he would easily get above $10 million, maybe even like, 
I wouldn't say Connor McDavid money because like Connor McDavid is twelve point five million, right. but at least I I could definitely see him making eleven million. Yeah, I think the hometown yeah. discount's gonna be a bit less. He's gonna stay in Colorado. He'll sign for the full eight years, and you'll get I would say ten point five million. Ten point yeah okay. I will. I, I don't think know that's if, a justifiable price for McKinnon. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't know if that's a hometown discount, though. But yes, <laughs> that is. I mean, what he consider the cap's going to go up, and in yeah. four years, what McDavid's new contract could look like, I would call it a hometown discount. Uh, still, I, I yeah. In, in fair, I, I kind of. Well, what's funny is I, I <laughs> before I even looked, I thought Connor McDavid was making ten point five. I forgot it was. He makes twelve point five. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, even still, uh, I I'll still stick with I think ten million um, is what he'll get. But um, but yet yeah, uh, even even still, I could see him getting like eleven um, or something like that. Uh, but um, if he gets anything below ten million, yeah. that's a steal for the Abs. Like that is oh, yeah, a yeah. huge steal. Yeah. Well, I disagree with that. I I think ten million is still a lot because it's like you still. You still have to pay. Um, you still have to pay Kale McCarr, although I guess for a couple more years. But yeah, I mean, it would. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the risk, though. You right. do bring up a point because Miko Ranson in at nine point two five, three years left on his deal. You have McCarr yeah. with five more years left on his deal, which is. They'd have to make some moves even there. to make 10, 10 million work. So. I, yeah, I, yeah, and then you also have Byram and New Look to pay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it, it, it there's definitely a risk to that for sure. Yeah. But I mean, you got to pay to play. Especially since, like, you know, usually players start to dwindle in skill after like 28 or 29 years of old, old. So that would be when he was be signing this contract. So it's like, uh, you know, I'm not like not to mention like yes, yeah, Sidney Crosby's still very good at at old age, but. Um, he's not as good as he once was, so it's like you know, even ten million. I don't know if you'd necessarily be worth that, but I totally get it from like you're paying what he was he already already did. Um, yeah, I when you were saying a hometown discount, it was just like I I don't remember him saying it, but it doesn't even seem like something that he would. Or maybe, or maybe he said he was open to taking it, but I, yeah. I feel like I've heard that in circles that he was willing to, yeah. to sign maybe for a bit less. But it's not like he's gonna be right making like well, six point three million like he's making now. Absolutely, yeah, not. yeah. I, I, I guess paid. I, I guess and I would just bag, there. I, I guess I would just push, push off as like let's say he does end up making ten million. That's that's definitely not a discount. <laughs> like that's still like that's still. That that would be what it, I think his value is, but I I wouldn't say that's a discount. Um, if he if he if he makes less than ten million per season, yes, you better believe there's a no move clause all the way through. So if things go south, he calls his shot and he says where he wants to go. Yes, yes, yes. Because but, like you're doing your team a huge service if you're signing for less than ten million dollars. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But like, I, he's I, worth at least ten. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that's gonna happen. But, but I, I do agree with that, of course. Um, and he'll probably get a no-movement clause, even if it is 10 or 11. Yeah, so yeah. Like, yeah. you're not wrong. You're yeah. not wrong. I mean, you, you just look at precedent. You look at what yeah. they're paying Panarin and what, what Marner got as well yep. and what Matthews is getting right now. Right. Like, M McKinnon deserves to 
be in that echelon of players, absolutely, in yeah. terms of capping. Right. Okay, so uh, we now go on to, I guess we'll, we'll have to talk about the elephant in the room for all Bruins fans here. Um, David we'll Pasternak. probably be talking about it multiple times, unfortunately. I yeah, say. yeah, I know, I know. Um, so, yeah, so David Pasternak. Uh, also, I mean, it's, it is hard to compare centers and wingers, but uh, I would say, I, would, I mean, I'm biased, but I would say Pasternak's definitely top ten players in the league. Um, but definitely, like, top five wingers in the league. Um, he had 40 goals last year, which is incredible, considering that he was on the second line um, with... Uh, he didn't have Bergeron or Marshawn on his line, um, and he had a slow first half, um, in fact. But he ended up with 77 points in 72 games. Very good, obviously. Um, previously, he had... Uh, 48 points in 48 games. He also tied for the Rocket Richard in that bubble year of 2019-2020, uh, uh, where he had 48 goals um, in 78 in 70 games. Um, and um, and yeah, he's uh, he's been incredible, um, especially this past year where uh, he proved that he didn't necessarily need Bergeron or Marchand uh, to make points. His center was Eric Halla which I think is incredible. Also, he's slightly younger than Nathan McKinnon is. Uh, he's he's 26 right now, uh, so two years younger, which makes him even more incredible. Um, in terms of the cap situation for the Bruins, it is pr in pretty good shape uh, for, for ne the following years because you have... Um, I, I'm going to run through all the UFAs that the Bruins have uh, besides David Pasternak. Uh, Nick Foligno, Pavel Zaka, Craig Smith, Patrice Bergeron, Thomas Noshik, Chris Wagner, David Krejci, Connor Clifton, and um, I think that's it, but um, <laughs> that's a lot. They also have uh, Jeremy Swayman as an RFA, um, yeah, and Trent Frederick as an RFA. Um, so yeah, those those two guys, uh, Swayman is, is guys that you, you would want to re-sign, but and I would expect that I think Pergeron and Krejci are both going to retire after this next year. Probably Felino will retire too. Um, and then, um, and then you also have yeah. We'll we'll see. You know, I wouldn't imagine Craig Smith or Pavel Zaka will get a ton of money this next season. Same with Nozick and uh, Wagner if they do decide to keep them. But this will probably this next year will probably be when the Bruins start to rebuild, especially if Bergeron and Krejci officially retire. Um, and David Pasternak, like, yes, he is going to be 26 years old. It, it is really dependent on if Pasternak wants to be on a contender or not, um, or a rebuilder or not. And yeah, if he doesn't want to be on, the re on a rebuilding team, then yes, it's going to suck for me and Bruins fans and the Bruins overall. But, um, but yeah, I, I can totally get why, you know, he wasn't on the 2011 team. Um, so I could totally see why he would want to go out and go to another team where uh, he has a better chance of winning the cup. Um, so, so there is that to, to, uh, to note. But on the other hand, Pasternak is a, a player that even on a rebuilding team, he's still pretty young. He could be a good player for the younger players uh, to build off of, and you know you can 
you can kind of build your team around him even on a rebuilding team. And um, and he's still young enough where it's like, okay, if you get in, Lee Sell in, I assume you, you'll find other prospects in in charge. The other young guys, you still have Charlie McAvoy for a long time. Swayman, hopefully you can sign him as well. So you're, you're still in pretty good shape from a rebuilding perspective that, like, you know, if the Bruins see themselves being better after, like, three years, Pasternak's going to be a 30-year-old, which is around where, like, where Marshawn and Bergeron are. And so he's still going to be pretty good when the Bruins likely will be back uh, from their rebuilding phase. Um, so I, I think it would make sense to have Pasternak still, in, still there. Um, especially since they got, there was reports that um, Pasternak was upset with Don Sweeney. Uh, who knows if this is actually true, but it was just speculation at this point that uh, Pasternak was upset that Sweeney, uh, that Krejci left and Krug, the way that Krug just left and was mistreated, which is all fair points. But then this offseason, they go out and uh, uh, convince Krejci that. He's, uh, he's worth it, um, and he comes back. And then they also get a fellow Czech, Czechian um, in Pavel Zaka, and, and they sign, you know, they bring back Bergeron, they bring back, um, and, you know, um, and, and the, it seems like, you know, just this is more hopeful for me, that it seems like he gets along with pretty much every teammate, um, every Bruin there. So I, I think that's, like, a good sign that he's going to stay. Um in terms of what he's going to get, um, let's see here. So, um, in terms right now, the highest ca- uh, winger right now is uh, Artemi Panarin, who's making eleven million. Um, Mitchell Marner is making ten point nine three, who's the highest paid right winger. Um, and then you have Patrick Kane, who's making ten point five. Um, yeah, I guess it all depends on what Pasternak wants. Um, if he wants to go to a contender, um, he could easily make ten point five um, there. Um, if he want, if he if he like knows that acknowledges that there's going they're going into a rebuilding phase, um, he's probably he'll probably take less. I would imagine maybe, um, but who knows? Um, but yeah, I could totally see him. Because I, f- I feel like all the moves that the Bruins have made this year was just to convince Pasternak to stay. Um, and I, I, I could, I, I th- I'm going to say that he'll probably, he's worth $10.5 million, which is basically what Patrick Kane is making now. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think he'll, he'll be $10.5, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's 11. Um, hopefully it's the Bruins, but I, I know that you're going to say it's going to be another team. I, I just know it. <laughs> you've been you've been uh, riding me uh, all all summer about it. It's not it's not because I like doing it. To be fair, okay, it's not not to piss you off. I I I, I want it to be Boston, but I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure of that. Um, wherever he goes, David Pasternak, as we've established, is going to make a heck ton of money. Just taking a look at where he ranks among goal scorers and just comparing the cap hits, because I do think the goal scoring is important. David Pasternak, at whatever position he plays, is a pure goal scorer. 
And Austin Matthews led the league in goals with 60. He makes $11.6 million. I don't think Pasternak is at that level at the moment. Dry settled behind him with 55. He makes 8.5 million. Uh, you have Ovechkin, who's been consistently dominant. Kyle Connor and Kirill Kaprizov both at 47. They're in the 7.1 to 9 million range. Uh, McDavid, well, he's a unicorn, so that forget that. Steven Stamkos at 42 goals. His cap hit is 8.5. Uh, I would say 9.75 million is what Pasternak is going to get. And you could make the argument for $10 million. Um, David Pasternak is a two-time 40-goal scorer. He got 40 goals in 72 games last year. 80-point uh, pace at least for uh, five straight seasons now. Uh, and one of them, he had 111-point pace over 82, 95 points in 70 games. That was before... Uh, COVID shut everything down the 2019-20 season. He's uh, had a couple of, or only one 300-shot season. The good news is it was this past year. He had 312, but he's had a season where he had 279 shots, 235 yeah. shots, 246, 258. And uh, 258 was his first big season. He's had 30-plus goals in Four, in five of the past six seasons, and let's be honest, if 2020-21 had at least 70 games played, he probably gets to 30 easy, maybe even 40. And this is a guy whose average ice time per game at its highest was 1858. Yeah. And he's averaging around three minutes of power play time for five straight years uh, on a per-game basis. Uh, in terms of power play goals... Uh, if you want a power play marksman, David Pasternak's your boy. 10 power play goals in his breakout year. Then he had 13, then he had 17, then he had 20 because <laughs> that's funny. And last year uh, he had 15 power play goals. So you're looking at a special teams marksman, not just a guy that can score goals. And there was one season, I can't remember which season, but David Pasternak had a knack for scoring the game's first goal. And if you want a momentum booster, scoring the first goal of the game will definitely do that. And Pasternak has that clutch gene for scoring timely goals. So um, there's there's that added bonus. Uh, so yeah, 9.75 at least. You can make the argument for 10. I want to think it's the Bruins, but in my opinion... I don't know if they have the cap space long-term to make that work. And I don't know if he has the best chance to win with Boston anymore as opposed to what other teams could offer. So I would say that my front runner, and I think I've said it before, is St. Louis. Yep. Because Vladimir Tarasenko, with his seven-plus-million-dollar cap, it is going to be a free agent at the end of this year. And yes, they, they have another key guy to sign that we'll talk about. But... I think there is a world where they can afford David Pasternak and not really have to juggle much of their roster to make it work. And plus, he'd be teammates with Tori Krug again. Right. So it works out that way. The one dark horse that I will say that could make a pitch for Pasternak, and I could see him going there, is the Ducks. Ooh, because if be you look at their right wing... I mean, Troy Terry, I think you could slide him over to the second line. Frank Vetrano, he's okay, but I can see him more as a third-line option. There's Jacob Silverberg as well. Um, I, maybe you could shuffle him around the lineup, or he maybe you trade him uh, to, to a different market or something. I don't know. 
the rosters are interchangeable. Let's be honest. Yeah. If the if the Anaheim Ducks wanted to make a David Pasternak contract extension work, I think they could do it. They have the cap space to do it. And plus, him on a line with Trevor Zegers would be just so much fun to watch. Yeah. Like imagine like lacrosse assist from behind the net to Zegers and Pasternak just bats it in. Who wouldn't want to see that? So I would pick this. I would pick the Blues as my team of choice, but don't count out the Ducks in this race. Well, my favorite non-Bruins player is Trevor, Trevor Zegras, so of course I would love to see that. Um, and I guess I'll I'll say this now, um, and if it happens, I'll I'll say it whenever. Um, but uh, wherever Pasternak goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a Pasternak fan. I'm gonna be yeah. that, that that's gonna be my second team. Um, it may even be my first team, especially because I imagine the only reason why Pasternak would want to leave is for that cup, um, and yeah. um, and I can totally understand him. I wouldn't even blame him. Um, so uh, so yeah, I, I, it'll be sad for me. He's my favorite player, but um, but I can I totally understand if that's if that's the route that he takes. Um, okay, uh, the next guy who's definitely leaving. Is uh, Patrick Kane? Uh, he's making. Yeah. Uh, I I was thinking like I could talk about the the Blackhawks cap situation like I did with the Avalanche and Bruins. But I don't even think it's worth it. It's like yeah, Jonathan Taze is a UFA, but and they they could afford it because they have a like pretty much everyone on their team except for Seth Jones is on a one or two year deal. Uh, so it's like okay, they could definitely afford to do it, but they're not going to do it just because they're rebuilding. Um, and they probably want to rid themselves from any scent of the 2010 team um, and want to make people forget about that at all, at all. And Patrick Kane was, of course, the best player on that team um, and a big reason why they won those cups that year. I actually imagine that he's going to uh, go to a team in uh, during the trade deadline. Um, but um, in terms of a team that he's going to sign with next year um, and what he's going to get. I don't think he'll be 10.5, even though he did have a... It seems like he, he always has a low-key, nice season. Um, 92 points in 78 games for a terrible Chicago Blackhawks team. It's pretty good. Um, and last year, the year before that, he had 66 points in 56 games. Um, I mean, I know that, that was during, like, the, the bubble year. Um... 84 points in 70 games. Um, in terms of where he would go, um, that's kind of tough for me. I was trying to think of it when you were talking, but um, I was thinking, yeah, Anaheim would be interesting, especially if they take another step forward this year. Um, and like Trevor Zegers would be would be great because I'm, I'm sure any American uh, looks forward or looks up to Patrick Kane from a hockey skill perspective. So. Um, I'm sure Anaheim would love to have him, of course. Um, I was thinking, uh, so there was two, two possibilities. One was the New York Rangers, because uh, they always tend to get these guys who are, like, kind of past their prime, but, like, I mean, what better place good. for Showtime than the Broadway stage, yeah. right? Yeah, especially that. And, like, also, like, the fact that they, like, you know, they traded... Um, they traded uh, uh, what's uh, Buchnevich 
like last year, and they mm-hmm. they're gonna. I guess it looks like they're gonna put Lafreniere on right wing, and he's not really a right winger. Capocacco hasn't been that great, so it's like they they very clearly need another right winger. So the Rangers would be perfect for for um, for for that. Um, I, I would I would assume that uh, Patrick Kane will probably take a pay cut. Um, but like it's it's probably still going to be like maybe seven million eight million, uh, which is you know that's not cheap of course. Uh, the other team that I was thinking of was Los Angeles. Um, yeah, uh, that's another team that could take another step this year, um, and they uh, I, I I know that they do have um, they have they did they did get Kevin Fiala. Um, who's a right winger, and they also got Victor Arvidsson last year, um, and they also have Kaliev in the system. But I don't know. I, I I still think that they might end up trying to get Patrick Kane. I, I feel like that would be a, a route that LA would do. It, it's like I could totally see that happening. Um, but I'll tell you, no matter where he goes, like it's going to be weird seeing him in another uniform than Chicago. It's just. Like same for same for Jonathan Taze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think uh, the term is also going to be pretty key because yes. uh, Patrick Kane, at the moment, is thirty three years old. In November, he's going to turn thirty four years old. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily want to sign him to like a risky six year sure. contract. Um, and I think he will have to take a pay cut regardless of where he signs because I just can't see a team, a contending team in dire need of right-wing help that can necessarily afford his cap it because of the flat cap right now. Um, so beyond this year, it's going to be a chore to sign him to an extension. The other thing to note about Patrick Kane, um, which I'm pretty sure I mentioned when I was ranting about the Blackhawks one time, and how they've mismanaged everything. Uh, Patrick Kane has a no-move clause and can determine where he goes. So it doesn't necessarily matter um, where the ideal fit is. If he says, I want to play for the Rangers, he's going to the Rangers. Or if I want to go to the Kings, he's going to go to the Kings because it's his final say. Um, But I can definitely see both options being options, good options for him to excel in a top six role with a good supporting cast, ultimately, I think it's going to be the Rangers. And just the way that they've kind of, <laughs> um, you know, relied on their veterans more than the youth movement they've uh, slowly acquired, yeah. um, makes me think that they wouldn't be shy in signing Patrick Kane to a multi-year deal. I think seven point, uh, f- I, yeah, I think seven million over a three-year deal. Yeah. is probably best for the Rangers because once those young guys are ready, I think most of them are going to be playing a bigger role on that team. And um, a guy like Patrick Kane, even if he's still producing beyond those three years, I don't know if I bring him back. And the one thing going for Patrick Kane right now is in his early 30s, he's played some of the best hockey of his career, which I think is going to drive up his value a heck of a lot. Yep. Not just the fact that he got 91 points in 78 games on a right. god-awful Blackhawks team. Right. Well, that, that part makes me wonder, because he is still pretty good, it's like, it, it does make me wonder if, like, 
I, I, yeah, he's not worth ten point five million, but he might be worth like nine million. I could totally see like a team, like like take Buffalo because he's from Buffalo. Like I could totally see Buffalo being like, you know what, we need to make a splash. We need to make fans excited about it, um, about this. So let's let's just go out and grab Patrick Kane and overpay for him. But I, I even it like would be nine- such a Pagula's move. Yeah. if they did but, that. But I, I, but like I could. Or, like, maybe Patrick Kane's like, oh, I like what Buffalo's doing all of a sudden, and he's like, all right, look, I could take a pay cut and, and go, it goes to Buffalo. But, yeah, it's, it's, um, it could, it could totally, you know, it could be like a homecoming type thing, um, in a way. So that, that could totally happen. Um, all right. The other, the other thing I could, the other thing I could see, and it's a bit, uh, it's it's a division rival type of situation. Um, I don't really think that Nashville is really married to their right wingers, and huh? never say never with David Poyle. I think he's still convinced that this core has what it takes to go all in, and it wouldn't surprise me if Nashville has another good season that he takes the risk and tries to give Patrick Kane at least a contract offer. So they would be a dark horse for me, but I, I, I think ideally uh, the Rangers are, are probably the the best option for Patrick Kane yeah. beyond this season. Uh, so the next guy we're going to talk about, kind of actually compared to the other guys we talked about, had a pretty disappointing season this past year. Um, but uh, but he's, you know, he's still pretty good and I would imagine a lot of teams are gonna uh, try to sign him um, and that is Ryan O'Reilly uh, he had 58 points in 78 games of course he's more known for his two-way game um, and he finished fourth in Selkie votes last year so that's that's not too shabby of course um, 56.8 uh, face-off percentage so that that's pretty good but um, but yeah, I, I guess if you're going to get Ryan O'Reilly, you're not getting him necessarily because he can put up like, you know, like a Patrick Kane level numbers or McKinnon or Pasternak level numbers. You're getting him because he can play defense, because he can, um, you know, he can win you face-offs more often than not. Um, and he has a cup where he was a big part of it. He won a con Smythe for it. He's a he's a captain material type guy. Um, currently, he's making uh, seven point five million. Uh, he's thirty one years old, but when you sign him, he'll, or next year he'll be thirty two. Um, and Steve mentioned that Tarasenko's also a UFA, um, and we'll see what what goes on with that. Uh, Kairu's an RFA. Logan Brown, um, Alexander. Alexei Torpochenko is our RFAs in terms of other UFAs for the Blues besides Tarasenko and O'Reilly. You have uh, Barbashev, who had a pretty good year last year, uh, Noel Chari, Josh Levo, um, Nico Mikola, Mikola and uh, Thomas Grice. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's all decent and all of that. Um, I... In terms of, like, I, I don't know... The Blues are a weird team because I'm not necessarily sure... Like, they, they are a contending team. They're a very good team, of course. Um, but I'm, I, I feel like they should be bad, <laughs> and they're not. Um, 
and um, so I like I, I think a lot of it is going to do is like because he had a, a disappointing season this past year a lot of it is going to do with how good O'Reilly is this year um, and like yeah so of course if he he'll, he'll probably get a pay raise from 7.5 um, but like let's say he he pulls another dud uh, this this year um, yeah I don't know I don't think it's going to be like a ton of money um, but let, let's just assume that it's like a, like a 70 point year for him or even like a 65 um, yeah I, I could see him make maybe like 8 or 8.5 million um, it would be tough I, I I feel like somewhat some teams going to want that leadership guy um, or someone who um, even like a but like what they probably should do is like for a long term type deal but what they should do is it'll be for a, a shorter term um, and then in terms of where he would go I'm not necessarily sure I guess the Blues could afford to keep him so that could definitely be a, the route that they take um, in terms of teams that I mean, he would be interesting on Seattle, um, but mm-hmm. I don't know if he would want to go to a team that's rebuilding. Um, and they, you know, it also depends on like sh- how good Shane Wright and Matthew Beneers are. Um, but that could be some somewhat interesting for them. Um, maybe he goes to Colorado again. Um, <laughs> that that's all. De- that's dependent though on if New Hook is good this year or not. Um, maybe he goes to Winnipeg. That would be another interesting option. I'm just thinking of teams that might want some centers. Um, but, um, yeah, in, in terms of other teams, it's, it's really hard to project. Because uh, I feel like a lot of it is going to hinge on how good O'Reilly is this year. Yeah, um, definitely in terms of point production. Uh, for the most part, you know what you're going to get. 60 to 70 points. Um maybe a 200 shot season but uh, he's not that guy anymore the last time he had a 200 shot season was in 2018-19 when he had 234 his highest was this past season when he had 168 shots however to be fair uh in 2020-21 when he played 56 games he only took 129 shots but he scored on 24 of them which uh accounts for an 18.6 shooting percentage so he, he does have a bit of goal-scoring efficiency to his name as well. He can average um, 18, 19, 20 minutes per game. Decent power play production, I'd say. Um, but you're right, getting into 32 years of age, um, there's only a certain amount of offensive pizzazz that you're still going to get in terms of his prime years. So with that being said, I can see it being... I can see it being a four-year deal for Ryan O'Reilly. And I definitely see St. Louis as the front runner keeping him around just because he is their captain. And I'm not really sure if uh, they have a captaincy option um, in mind if they get rid of O'Reilly. That being said, if he was to leave, uh, this, this might be a wild card pick. I'm thinking Columbus. Because... Yeah. Back when they signed Johnny Gaudreau, I said it was the first of probably many steps that Yarmo Kekalainen was going to take. 
And the next step, in my opinion, would be adding a legitimate number one center that's good on the two-way and that can play with star talent. And to me, Ryan O'Reilly can still do that. So um, I I would say St. Louis probably still keeps him around. But um, if they don't, it wouldn't surprise me if Columbus offers him that four-year pact. Um, They won't name him captain because Boone Jenner is their captain, and I doubt they veer away from that. But he definitely adds a leadership ability. He's a good playoff performer, which is what they need in that highly contested Metro division. Either way, I think his cap hit's going to be $6.5 million over four years. How about this option? Although I know it's in the same division, but uh, Minnesota? I was thinking of Minnesota, but um, those Suter and Brise buyouts are still going to harm them big time the next two years after this year, which I, I will say this. If Marco Rossi isn't ready yet and they can find a way to make it work salary-wise, then it's a slam-dunk fit for Ryan O'Reilly, Minnesota, just because I feel he is the number one center they want to play with Kaprizov. Yep, yeah. But to me, the salary cap is the biggest hurdle, and it's a major one. So for the time being, that's why I'm not leaning towards Minnesota. But I could definitely see Minnesota if they can make it work. Yeah, I mean... So Frederick Gaudreau is going to be a UFA. Oh, he's not. I was just trying to see if like any free agents. I guess if they don't sign Matt Dumba, um, who's making six yeah, years. which is you know like he's been on the trade bait board on and off and f- yeah. <laughs> for the better part of the past what two but, three years yeah, now. You do have a stronger point in, th- in the fact that like Marco Rossi is um, is in line. Uh, so they also have to pay Matthew Boldy because he's a restricted free Boldy's agent after this one, year, yeah. and if he has another big season, that'll cost a lot. Yeah, that's another one. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just like I'm just thinking. It's like, do they really think that Ryan Hartman's going to be the one C? I don't think so. <laughs> so um, I think he's. I think he can live up to his production, yeah. but not as a number one center. Right, right. And it, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, how good Kaprizov is. It's like, when, when Kaprizov is not there anymore, then it's like, okay, well, Ryan Hartman's not going to be that good. Um, so so it's just... And I, they do have Joel Eriksson-Eck. Um, yeah, and, but, and O'Reilly could be a solid mentor for Joel yeah. Eriksson-Eck as well, because he's the future two-way defense... Uh, yeah. Or not two-way defenseman. He doesn't play defense. <laughs> two-way center right. that they've been hyping up to be and they've yeah. already committed on a long-term deal to. Right. Having Ryan O'Reilly on that team could be huge for his development. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. The last guy we're going to talk about is Dylan Larkin. Um, <laughs> D-Boss. D-Boss, yeah. Uh, he had a pretty impressive year this past year, 69 points in 71 games. Pretty low-key as, nice. like, an uh, underrated yeah. Uh, underrated uh, season this past year, um, but uh, yeah, and and especially for like a bad Detroit team that didn't play any defense, um, and yeah, we'll we'll see what what happens with him. But um, in terms of UFAs, they also have a lot of UFAs this this past year or this this upcoming year. That's not Dylan Larkin. You have Tyler Batuzzi, uh, Hugh Suter, Oscar Sundquist. Um, and then you have uh, Adam Ernie. I guess those aren't as impressive. Um, Olimada, Jordan Eber- Osterle, I almost said Eberle, uh, Jake Wallman, 
um, and Mark Pisic and Alexan Delkovich. Um, and then in terms of RFAs, you have Giovanni Smith and uh, Gustav Lindstrom. Um, then you have to worry about uh, Moritz Seider in two years for in terms of contracts. Um, and yeah, I guess Verana um, and Perron are, are two-year deals as well. So, oh, and Kubelik. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I, and also Dylan Larkin is a captain. Um, Loki, I feel like Dylan Larkin might be one of the more underrated players, which is kind of yeah. funny because he plays for an original six team. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I, I guess it's just, it's a sign of how bad the Red Wings have been is that, and he gets injured every now and then, but at the same time, he's 26 years old. He's going to be 27 by the time his contract's up. He's a captain. I imagine Detroit will make it work with him. Um, in terms of what he'll get, um, to the point where I'm not even going to consider what, what teams could sign him. Um, in terms of what he could get, um, yeah, around the $8 million range, I could totally see. Um, I think this is something, though, that they have to be careful with, is because they do have Mort Sider. Um, they have uh, Simon Edvidson in the system, who's going to be pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. They'll, they'll probably be bad again this year, so um, so they'll probably have to make room for the other guy. Marco Casper is another one who they'll have to figure out what what his fit is. Joe, uh, Joe Villano, um, he's an RFA this year, but um, he might be something. Jonathan Berggren, they have a lot of good, like, decent uh, prospects in their system. Uh, they also have Sebastian. They also Costa. have uh, Verena, two years left Verena. until he becomes a UFA. Yep. His cap hits 5.25. Kubelik, if yep. uh, they like what they see, uh, he has two years at 2.5 million before he could test yep. the market. And, uh, Lucas and uh, I don't know if you mentioned Lucas Raymond, but there's also yep. him and yep. Sebastian Cosa. If he's the future number one yep. goalie and he emerges in a couple of years, uh, you might have to pay him as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I for some reason I, I forgot to mention Lucas Raymond as well, but I, I did say Verona and uh, um, Kubalik. But um, okay. um, and, and Zadina, he's still 22 years old. He hasn't been as good as we all thought he could be. But um, I also yeah, just realized years. they have three more years left of Robbie Fabry at a four million cap hit. Yeah, that's crazy. And he's um, currently on IR. But anyways, my, my point being that, well, yeah, Fabry, Fabry and IR go together like PB&J, basically. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think um, the, the thing is is that I do expect him to get a long-term deal with the Red Wings. He's He's been, uh, like, with them as they've been rebuilding, so it would be weird if they suddenly can't afford to sign him. Um, especially with all these guys that are in their system, so so I I do expect them to to sign him to a long term deal. I guess it's just the amount is something. So I would expect it will be probably an eight year deal. Let's say let's say eight by eight. I'm gonna go with that. Ooh, spicy. Um, I think I think seven point three. Wow, okay. for eight years <laughs> that, is what he's gonna get. That's oddly specific. Just just because he's a hometown guy playing okay. for his hometown team, uh, 
the Red Wings have a nice plan in place. It hasn't translated to a lot of winning yet, but I think down the road it could. He's uh, the captain of the team. Um, the consistency is a bit of a concern, but again, um, when the Red Wings were a very bad hockey club in 2018-19, he had 287 shots, 32 goals, 73 points in 76 games. And that was his best season before this past year where, as you said, Brett, he had 31 goals, 69 points, nice, in 71 games, which for an 82-game pace, that's 80 points. And he's had 200-plus shot uh, shot seasons, uh, one, two, three, four, five times in the seven seasons that he's played, the first of which happened uh, when he was a rookie. And he only had 45 points in 80 games during that time, too. And he's, and he's now uh, the number one center, making uh, uh, 19 to 21 minutes of ice time per game, uh, capable of getting three minutes of power play time per game, although that's only happened once over the course of a full season. But keep in mind, this past year, Lucas Raymond's rookie season, Lucas Raymond spent a lot of time on the Larkin line. And you give Lucas Raymond and Dylan Larkin more time to develop that chemistry, you could see Dylan Larkin really pop off this year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that to the point where we look at that contract as a, a pretty big bargain. So I'd say 8 times 7.3. He's not leaving Detroit. He's going to stay there, and Eiserman's going to commit to him. Tyler Bertuzzi, he's definitely getting shipped out at some point, and that's probably what's going to make this contract a bit more digestible for the Red Wings and allow them to still mm-hmm. – uh, add players uh, later on, so yeah, uh, they'll they'll commit to Larkin for sure. Can I ask why seven point three? Uh, just because um, I he, he currently makes six point one million, and I think seven million is a bit of a pay increase, but I don't think it's enough. So I just added a couple a hundred thousand to that number. I think seven point five to eight million is too much, given the fact that uh, he hasn't really put up the kind of numbers that other players have. But I definitely think the upside is there, and 7.3 is, is okay. a good median number for me. So, so, so funnily yeah. enough, I thought... It's not because it's a, it's a funny number or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, anything like that. I, I actually was thinking that you were going to... You, you were... It was because like he wore 73 because that's what Crosby no. wears. But I, because of that, I had to look it up. Larkin wears 71, so he could make 7.1 yeah. for seven years or something like that. Just so, just to, if he models his game after Crosby or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I was actually yeah, or yeah. or maybe it's like Patrice Bergeron's never reversed. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, um, right, right. Um, well, no, it would have to be McAvoy reverse. Or McAvoy's. Yeah, number. well, yeah. no, he wears 73. yeah, seventy three is McAvoy. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, but you said okay. Bergeron. Yeah, it's the same as Mac. Um, yeah, no, but Bergeron's thirty seven. So like, if you're, you're, you're you seven point three, anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you could yeah. do it that way. Um, but, but anyway, he, he could do seven Needless to say, yeah. um, I I think uh, for a two time thirty goal scorer with uh, plenty more of solid hockey years ahead of him. Yeah, uh, I, I I just I don't know why, but seven point three feels right to me. Okay, just... I, and I and I can see him going to your price range and signing an eight by eight. Yeah. Um. 
But yeah, I, either way, he's signing uh, the max deal. He's signing for eight years, and he's staying in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but seven point three is my number. Well, it would be funny if every like team or every player does that, where they they sign with like the, their jersey number, because then McKinnon would be well. Usually a they put that in. in uh, they, they usually put that um, later. So like, yeah. um, like uh, I don't know, like something like seven points. Oh, in the bonuses, uh, or I don't know, like. Uh, yeah. 7.371, I don't know. Right, right, right. Um, or some bonus or something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, if, if they did it that way, then McKinnon would really be a bargain because he wears 29, so it was 2.9. <laughs> I think the yeah. Avalanche would do that. Um, all right. Um, that's that's about it for us here on Lace em Up. We're going to do uh, season previews next year. If uh, next year, next well, next week, um, uh, um, for for those that are um, that are curious, um, and yeah, we'll just do it by division by division, um, yeah. and yeah, I, I think training camp opens this um, in, on Friday or something, or even sometime. Yeah, it's, it's coming up pretty fast. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, it's 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 back to hockey season, even though football season started already. Um, hockey season, the true, the true season, um, has started, so, it'll be fun. Um, yeah, that's about it for us here at Lace Em Up. You can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Em Up. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on any podcast platform, like, uh, Spotify, Pocket Cast, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, uh, although I don't, I always say SoundCloud, but I'm starting to realize that I don't think they do podcast, <laughs> but it just so happens to be where I upload, um, the episodes every week. So that's why I always say SoundCloud, but it's, it's not really a podcast that you can listen to. Um, but anyways, uh, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Elswick. We'll talk again in episode 334, the start of our season previews on the Lace Month podcast.